May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Today we're kicking off a brand new four-week series called How to Be uh, or Becoming a Contagious Christian. Um, back in the days when I was a youth pastor, I took a bunch of youth to uh, Albania on a mission trip. Amy went with me as well. Um, we were there to teach the Albanian Christians how to share their faith. And so the first two days of the trip, we taught them different ways to, we taught them how to share their faith. And then we told them that, you know, day three, four, and five, we were actually to go out into the town with them to share our faith with people and see if other people, we could lead other people to become Christ followers. Well, I remember one house that we went to, um, it really wasn't a house, it was really just a giant room with a curtain across the middle. And on this side of the room, that was for um, eating and for living and for just for hanging out. And the other side of the curtain was for sleeping. And there were 13 people that lived in the, basically this one-room house um, spanning three generations. Well, we got there, and um, I was there. My interpreter was there. Uh, one of, I had one of my teenagers with me. And, and that teenager was actually Jenny Jones, who is the children's pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. She was with me on that trip at, 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 and in this house. And um, the Albanian Christians were there and then these 13 people. So we began to share with them about our faith and about what it meant to be a Christ follower and how to become a Christ follower. Um, we got to the end. Uh, we simply said, how many of you want to become a Christ follower yourself and are ready to make that decision right now? All 13 people in that family raised their hand right then. And so we said, great. And so we pray, we led them in a prayer, and that all 13 of them prayed right there in that moment to become a Christ follower. I mean, it was, honestly, it was electric. I mean, it was awesome. It was, it was so incredibly exciting. But listen, let me tell you. I didn't just show up, you know, in Albania with good intentions in John 3.16, okay? Uh, I mean, I had practiced. I mean, I was prepared. Our teenagers had practiced, and they were prepared. I mean, we really worked on how to share our faith. We shared our faith with each other before we went. We shared our faith with other people in America before we attempted to do it overseas. We prepared. And that's the point of this whole story, is that we were prepared. We practiced, we rehearsed, we memorized we prepared. And in this series, we're going to learn how to share our faith. We're going to learn how to share our faith with people who are not Christ followers. We're going to learn some simple and some easy ways to share with those others how to become a Christ follower themselves. But here's the thing. We're going to have to practice. We're going to have to prepare. I mean, look, it, it, it's just, you, you cannot think that you can come in here hear a couple of 30-minute messages, and walk out of here and be Billy Graham, okay? That, that's, that's just not realistic. Even he pr- has practiced and prepared. And so we have to do the same thing. And, and if we will practice and prepare, I'm telling you, the Lord will give you opportunities to share your faith. Opportunities like I have, have had. Opportunities that are as exciting and as memorable as what I had in Albania. We average about 1,300 adults here at Parkway Fellowship on a weekend. And if all of us 
learned how to share our faith and made a commitment to do that this year, think about it. I mean, we could lead 400, 500, maybe even 1,000 people to become Christ followers this year. I mean, that would be incredible. And think about it on a personal level. Look, here's the thing. If you've never actually been the one that has prayed with someone to become a Christ follower for the first time, man, I'm telling you, that might be the most exciting experience on this earth. I mean, it is, it is truly incredible. It is the most amazing thing when God allows you to be a part of someone becoming a Christ follower for the first time. I mean, it's awesome. It'll ignite your faith more than anything you could ever imagine. But to do that, you got to become a contagious Christian. you got to be the kind of person that other people look at and they say, what is it about you? Because whatever it is, I want it to be a part of my life. But to do that, which brings us to today's message, something has to happen in your heart. Because look, sharing your faith is not all about just memorizing how to do it. Because look, just because you know how to do something doesn't always mean that you're going to do it, right? I mean, how many of us have known the right thing to do and we've like done something else anyway, right? So knowing it is not all. I mean, it certainly is part of it. But in order for that knowledge to come out the right way and to come out and, and to have that desire to share it, you have to have a change here in your heart. It starts here. This is where it starts in order to become a contagious type of Christian. And so what is it you have to have in your heart? What is it that has to be here? What are these things? Well, there's at least three of them. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. So what do I need to do to become a contagious Christian? Well, here's the first. First is this. I need to understand what hell is really like. I need to understand what hell is really like. I mean, honestly, you weren't expecting me to say that, were you? <laughs> so, and why is this so vital in order to become a contagious Christian? Well, Jesus knew what hell was really like because he had seen it with his own eyes. He had seen angels that he knew personally be cast into hell after they followed Satan in a rebellion against God in heaven. One third of all the angels were part of that rebellion and were cast out of heaven. So Jesus had seen it with his own eyes. And in uh, Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells us a story and he tells us a little bit about what hell's really like. Well, look what it says. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. That's just another way of saying carried him to heaven, okay? The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, 
because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. You see, Jesus tells us that hell is a place of agony, a place of misery, where there is no hope of relief and no escape. The Bible tells us a lot more about hell, okay? Here's some other facts about hell. Here's another one. It's a place of total darkness. 2 Peter 2, 4 says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and then it goes on. The Bible also says that hell, it's a, it's a place of eternal separation from God. 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And hell, the Bible also says that hell, it's on fire forever. Mark 9, 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed with two, than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. Look, and, and, and there are people who think that you know, the fire in hell is figurative and not literal. Look, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea where that type of thinking comes from. There's not a single verse in the Bible that says or even hints that the fire of hell is figurative and not literal. But look, even if it is figurative, basically the Bible's saying the best way to describe it is like it's being on fire forever. So, now, my point here this morning is not to, not to scare people who are Christ followers, or who are not Christ followers. Although, I'll be honest with you, not wanting to go, hell, go to hell is a great reason to become a Christ follower, okay? My point this morning is actually to talk to those of you who are, who are already Christ followers. Because, you see, honestly, we just don't understand how horrible hell really is because if we did then we wouldn't be afraid or intimidated to tell anyone how to avoid going there i mean we would see it as so bad so terrible so horrible that we wouldn't want anyone to spend a moment there and so when we think about the people that we work with we think about our neighbors We think about family members that are estranged from God. We would do whatever it takes to keep them from going there. See, look, and once that is in our hearts, once that description, that reality, that vision of what hell really is and what really happens to people in just moments after they die, once that is deep down in our hearts, then we will tell anyone at any time if they are willing to listen what it takes to avoid going there and how to become a Christ follower themselves. Over the Christmas break, I, I did a lot of reading. One of the books I read was a book called 23 Minutes in Hell by a guy named Bill Weiss. Um, basically, he's a Christ follower, but he says that God allowed him to experience hell for 23 minutes. And the book 
is about that experience and then some commentary afterwards. I mean, it is a phenomenal book. And after reading it, I'll tell you, I became, I became more energized about sharing my own faith. And so if you've never read the book, I mean, I highly recommend it. But I'll be honest with you, it's not for the squeamish. It's not. Now, let me go back for just a second to those of you in the room that are not yet Christ followers. Or maybe you're not even 100% sure if you are a Christ follower. Look, if you're not 100% sure you're a Christ follower, why not, why not take care of that this morning? Why not becoming a Christ follower today? And avoid this whole thing. You could quit worrying about it. At the bottom of your message notes on the back, there is a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower. Basically, if you pray and ask God to first forgive you for everything you've ever done, and then pledge your life to following Christ from this day forward, that's what it takes to become a Christ follower. So if you've never prayed that prayer or a prayer like that, do it right now. Take a few moments and just pray that prayer right now. Become a Christ follower today. And then you can be sure that you'll go to heaven when you die. There is a second thing that has to make its way in our hearts in order for us to, you know, um, be a, become a contagious Christian. And that's this. Number two is this. I do remember that part of my purpose in life is to share Christ. Part of my purpose in life is to share Christ. Look, you know, sometimes Christ followers in their attempts to, um, to make changes, you know, leave behind a sinful lifestyle, they basically sequester themselves from the world. I mean, you know, they hide out in church, they hide out in Christian groups, and they isolate from the rest of the world because they fear uh, that they might be dragged back into the ways of the world. I, you know, honestly, I totally understand that, okay? But that would be like recruiting a group of traveling salesmen to work for you, only to find out that they spend all of their time in the office. I mean, you know, yes, they... They love hanging out with each other and get a lot out of that. And they share some strong feelings about their product. But they're not doing anything to increase the fan base or to increase the, people that, or increase the number of sales for the company. It, it's, it would be almost as if they have forgotten the purpose of their role. There are only two things that you can do here on this earth that you cannot do in heaven. Sin and share about Jesus. Now, which of those two do you think God has left you on this earth to do? And see, if you don't share about Christ, then it's as if you have forgotten your role here on this earth. Look at this next verse, most famous verse in the entire Bible, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, ever, but have eternal life. Okay, I mean, all right, we probably all know that one. But look at this next verse. In Ephesians 5, 1, it says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. So look, if you're to imitate God... You have to reach out to people in this world who don't know Christ. Now look, it's not saying that you've got to sacrifice your son. God's already done that. But what he's saying is, is that just as God has reached out to the world through Christ, so you 
must reach out to the world with Christ. That's what he's getting at. Look at this next verse. Luke 19.10. It says, for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save what was lost. Look, part of Jesus' purpose in life was to seek and save people who were spiritually lost. Look, when you aren't sharing your faith, you miss out on part of your purpose in life. And when you aren't fulfilling your purpose in life, honestly, it leads to spiritual emptiness and spiritual frustration. Uh, this, this is why people sometimes complain about, you know, church not being deep enough for them. Or they leave church because they're not getting enough out of it. Look, the reason they're not getting enough out of their faith is because they aren't sharing their faith. Uh, here's the truth. I have, I've never met a single Christ follower. Never met one. Never met a single Christ follower who regularly and actively shares their faith and isn't getting enough out of church. They're always getting a ton out of church because they're out there doing it. They're involved in it. So look, if you're going through a place of spiritual dryness in your life, let me ask you a simple question. When was the last time you shared your faith? I'm not talking about inviting somebody to church. I mean, that's good, but that's not what we're talking about. When was the last time you talked to someone about how to become a Christ follower, asked them if they were ready to make a decision to become a Christ follower themselves, and had a chance to pray with them, leading them to that decision? I'll tell you, that will fulfill a huge void in your life by giving you that kind of purpose, because it's a God-designed thing. All right, third, here's the last thing you and I need to understand is this. I need to know that people are one to Christ. I need to know that people are one to Christ. By that I mean that they are one over, like Paul did with the Thessalonians. Look, Paul went to this pagan city, and he is, and his little band of church planters, they began to share their faith. But look at what Paul says. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 7 and 8. It says, We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you had become so dear to us. Look, Paul says, Paul says they loved these people. He genuinely cared about them. And in so doing, they won the Thessalonians over to Christ. Look, you don't debate someone into believing in Christ. You don't argue with them. You don't humiliate them. You don't guilt them. You don't pressure them. You don't scare them. You don't bully them. You win them. That is how people come to Christ. You win people to Christ. You win them over. No one becomes a Christ follower by you proving to them how wrong they are. That never works. People come to Christ because they are won over by how much you love them, by how much you care for them, by how much you show kindness to them, by how you do good to them when they have done only wrong to you. That's how it goes. Look what the Bible says in Romans 2, 4. It says, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, that's God's, kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing 
that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. God's saying here that even you and I, we're not changed by his judgment or condemnation or by guilt. You know what motivates you to change? It's God's kindness. See, it's when, it's when God is kind to you and you don't deserve it. When you know you deserve some wrath and God instead meets you with some kindness and forgiveness. That's what motivates you to change. Or to use a Bible word, it what motivates you to repent. Look. Now if you don't change, God might send some consequences your way. Say, so be honest about that. But the point is, in the end, it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance. And the same is true with trying to reach out to other people. Look, the people in this world, they don't need, they don't need your judgment or mine. There are plenty of people already doing that. And those people aren't changing the world. You know, surprise, surprise. What people need is they need your kindness, thoughtfulness, your care, your willingness to repay bad with good. That is how people are one to Christ. That is how people are one over to Christ. Look, these three truths that we're talking about this morning, they've got to work your, their way deep down into your heart. Becoming a, a contagious Christian begins here. And once those things begin to take root, then you can begin to share with people how to become a Christ follower. And I'm going to teach you how to do that next week. So pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. And on the card and on your notes, I want you to check the next step or steps you're willing to take today based on what God is inspiring you to do. How about this, this first one? I will read the book, 23 Minutes in Hell by Bill Weiss. So in case you didn't write it down fast enough, I'll print it right there for you. It's on your sermon notes. I'm telling you, great book, but make sure you're ready to read it, okay? Next. I commit to share my faith more so I can grow my faith more. I'm telling you, you will, nothing will grow your faith like sharing it. I promise you that. Next, I will stop being judgmental and show kindness toward other people. That's big. That's big. Next, I will memorize Romans 2, 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience? not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. Fabulous verse. Next, I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. If you've never become a Christ follower and you prayed that prayer earlier in this message or you're going to pray it right now, check this box because I want to send you some information in the mail to help you get started and some free stuff in the mail to help you get started. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet on a table just before you walk outside of each of these doors. Just grab one on your way out today. Or next, sign me up for an adult small group this spring semester. Uh, there's a line there. You need to write the code of your small group down. You're not going to believe this, but we set a new one-week record for uh, sign-ups last week. We had over 700 adults sign up for small group, which you add the kids and students in. We have over 1,400 people sign up for small groups in one week. One week. Holy cow. Yeah. 
So sign up. Man, I'm telling you, don't, do not get left out of that. Um, next, sign my kids or students up for a small group on Wednesday night this spring semester. If they're not, they didn't go last semester and you haven't signed them up yet, sign them up right now. Put your, you have to write your child's name and the code. And I know the lines are small, but just do your best. We'll, we'll, if we can't read it, we'll call you. But just write it in there, will you please? All right. Let me pray for you as I turn it back over to uh, Matt and the worship team. Lord, I want to say thank you that you always deal with us with your kindness and your gentleness. And you never come to us threatening us um, or judging us or condemning us. But you come to us with your kindness, asking us to follow you, to follow you closer. And I pray for every Christ following this room that you would help us to do that. But at the same time, get a vision for what would happen for those in our world that never respond to your invitation. And so you would help us to to make that invitation as appealing as possible by living as gently and kindly and loving as possible. But yet always living with this tension that there's great urgency. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to become contagious because it flows out of our hearts and that you would bring us back next week so we can understand and know how to best make it flow out of our mouths. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.